You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way. Welcome to Faithway. Welcome to Faithway. Good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day, women. Here at Faithway, we'd like to extend a very, very happy Mother's Day blessing to every single woman here, mother or not, because whether you know it or not, you have served as a pivotal role, as a mother role to someone in their life, whether you have known it or not. So we'd like to bless every single lady here and tell you happy Mother's Day. If you have tuned in online to this live stream, let us know in the chat how many women you are grateful for in your life. Is it four? Is it five? Is it ten? Just let us know somewhere in the chat. Also, let us know where you are tuning in from. And if you'd like any prayers, uh, any if you have any prayer requests, just send them in and we can stick them into our prayer warriors meetings on Tuesdays and we can get into agreement with your petitions. So everyone, thank you for attending. Good morning. It's great to worship corporately with you. Today we have a little special treat organized by our men's ministry. And women, if you haven't caught on to it yet, we are celebrating women. They are celebrating women and mothers. So please don't be in a rush to leave after service. They have all slaved away over the stoves last night and this morning, and they've all prepared us a meal to celebrate with us. So please don't leave right after service. Everyone is invited to come and enjoy the meal with your families here in the youth building right after service. Um, we do have one um, announcement Jam Club will be holding a meeting next week. If you're interested in serving anywhere in our children's ministry, please stir yourselves up and, you know, pray about it. And we will be meeting next week after service for any um, people who want to be added to the team. Um, So if that's you, do not miss next week. It'll be a really quick meeting afterwards. So at this time... Children, you guys are all dismissed to go to your respective classrooms. And if this is your first visit here with us, we have nursery here in the hallway foyer for our babies up to the age of three. And then right next door, we have our jam club for our preschoolers up to the age of six. And then outside with Miss Angie, we have our super kids, and that is our school-aged kids up to the age of 11. So at this time, let's all go ahead and open up our hearts and let's get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith way. Good morning, everyone. God bless. Glory to God. Praise you, Jesus. Well, happy Mom's Day to everyone. And I'll just, you know, a couple of comments on that. I got three, three moms in my life. I got my mom, which is celebrating in heaven today. I miss her dearly, so Mother's Day is kind of one of those uh days. And then I got, of course, my beautiful wife, which is also her birthday, by the way. So I'm, and then the fourth, she went Catholic, so it was Santa Monica. So I have to celebrate like four, so it's been going on for a while now. So happy Mother's Day, honey. And then, of course, my beautiful, precious daughter back there, she's going to be so embarrassed for me telling this. I love you, baby. You're beautiful. Thank you for all the babies you're making. 
Happy Mother's Day. Come here, Cammie. Give me a hug. No? All right. All right. And then for all the moms, thank God you guys are doing that part because there's no way. I mean, we get like a, like a nail and we want to go like to the ER. You guys have like a living thing inside of you that just totally creeps me out. So God bless you for taking that on, all right? I don't know how y'all do that. That's, that's, I don't even want to go there. It just, you know, you have heartburn and it bothers you. Imagine having something in there, like kicking and making your life miserable for nine months. So God bless all the moms. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. And I'm excited as always about the word and where it takes us, the journeys it takes us. And it really is about getting us better and making us better humans, I think, at the end of the day. So, Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We, thank, we celebrate all the moms. We celebrate the moms that, Father, for some of us, it's a it's, it's bittersweet day as we celebrate our mom's day, that those that are in heaven that have gone before us. Father, we, we call that part of our life blessed, that we know that they're in our future. But we celebrate all those that are here. That, Father, today let, let them be recognized, something special, something that they're honored. But especially for the moms that, that have, Father, I want to pray. Help me on this prayer. I want to pray for all the, all the single moms on my heart. But Father, we pray right now the situation in this country where, where moms have to be dads, and they, and they have to make both parts, and we just pray for that, Father, that, that is even part of our church family and other people that know us, Lord, that you would just guide and direct and help and fill the void, Father, for all these children that desperately, desperately need a, a father figure in their life. So I just thank you for all those moms that do double work, Father. We call them blessed and call special anointing on their lives to do this. We thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. All right, so um, we started this series. I got a little bit of effects. I don't know if that's just me, but I can tweak them out a little bit. So I told you, for those of you that weren't here last week, and I don't know if you guys are tracking, this is really kind of a millennial design message. Why do I say that? Because I'm not a millennial. I was going to say thank God, but I'm not going to say that, all right? But um, so if I was in my 30s, if I was in my early 40s, in my late 20s, kind of in there, and... You know, and I'm talking about already being a Christian. I'm talking about being in the ministry and really not understanding some things that I understand now at, you know, at 56 years old. So if I could, you know, you've heard that little saying, if you could go back 20 years and tell your 20-year self a couple things. You ever heard that? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Like, you could go back. I would totally slap myself hard, right? Come on, how many would just, like, beat the fire out of you? Say, you're such an idiot. Don't do this. Don't do this. And do well, we can't do that, right? So hopefully... The generations previous to us and, and generations in front of us, you know, that's my take. I hope I can learn from people that have walked the path. You know, one of the greatest losses, I always tell my, my kids and I tell my grandson, I tell my, you know, the other ones are little, they don't quite get it. I said, one of the greatest losses that I've experienced in my life was not have spent more time talking to my dad, talking to my grandfather. Because they were, the wealth of information went with them in the grave, right? So, you know, we look forward to that, you know, in my life. You know, I don't consider myself old by any measure, but, you know, I look at, at that and try to gain wisdom as I go into that direction. But for your, you know, for other people, and listen to me, younger people, this is just me when I was your age or when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, where you think you have it all figured out, you got it all together. Even spiritually, you can become, you know, zealot. You can do, you know, things that you think you're, you've got it all together. And that, now that's why we have grace, right? Because <laughs> if we didn't have grace, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. But, you know, you do things that, like I'm saying, this is the one lesson. Actually, a lot of the lessons that I've taught you this year, you know, from January, are things that, man, I wish I would have grabbed that 20 years ago. Well, here's the thing. I'm not going to beat myself up over what happened 20 years ago because we can't change it. 
So I just have to make adjustments in my life. And trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm here right now. I'm, I'm preaching with you. I'm not preaching at you. Meaning I'm teaching something that I'm, in this season of my life, I'm dealing with. And, and one of the things I have to be careful is I don't want to preach things that I haven't at least figured out in concept. Because then it gets weird, right? So, yes, this idea of what is your ego and how it controls your life and how you need to submit it and how you need to control it because it can be like this unruly beast inside of you is something I, again, I'm, I'm going to repeat this like ten times, I wish I would have heard way back in the day. Anyway, so part two, you know, we, got, we, we covered a lot last week. And, again, you can go back to the podcast and some of this if you want. Now, there's a lot of reading here. So I'm not going to, we don't have it on the screen, but I want you to go in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. The reason we didn't put it on the screens, because somebody in the back said, I make it too easy for you guys. No, I'm just kidding. No, look at your Bible. Find it. Come on. You got an iPhone. You know, you've been over there, you know, updating your Facebook while I'm preaching. I get that. That's cool. Just um, download the Bible app. Find 2 Kings chapter 5. And then we'll all be in sync. So let me, um, I don't know if I should just go old school King James Bible. Let's do that. I want to just, you know, I preach, this is a wonderful teaching, and I'm going to give you guys the, the front end of the story because I don't want to take a lot of my time because there's a lot of ground I want to cover this morning to get us where we need to be, I think. So Naaman is a ruler, and, you know, he's under command. He's not the main dude. But he heard a story. Now, he's covered up with leprosy. Now, if you don't know what leprosy, it's a very very horrific disease and i'm not going to describe it and it's still around you know it still exists but pretty much your limbs fall off and pieces of your flesh rot off and so forth and so on so he is you know he has contracted this disease and he has heard you know through a through a slave that there was a prophet that had healed leprosy so he asks permission you know can i go visit this prophet of israel which they considered him dirt they considered him lower class but when you're desperate you'll do anything right so he's, you know, he's a high-ranking guy, and he decides to say, you know, I'm, you know, I don't have a lot of hope left, so I'm just going to go check this guy out, see what he's about. So that brings us into like verse, um, hmm. and I got to jump a lot of this because it takes a lot to get to where I want to go. Uh, let's see. Okay, so let's just pick it up in verse nine. That, verse one through nine is pretty much. All the backstory I've been trying to get to you when he is, and, and let's see. Okay, so Naaman came with his horse and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now let's just stop right there briefly. Okay, so how many of you, you know, you're in a situation, either you go to your doctor, you go to, you go to God, or you go to your pastor, or you go to your shrink. And whatever they tell you, they give you, you know, do these things. You know, that's one of the reasons I, I, I mean, I don't not, I did not stop doing counseling. Like I don't do, if you want counseling, I'll counsel you. I just think a lot of times counseling is a waste of time. You know, in 30 years of ministry, it's, it is, a, you know, there's very few cases where I see counseling actually had an effect. Why? Because the person counseled didn't want instruction. They wanted to vent or they wanted affirmation of their lifestyle or their situation. And they wanted a man of God to say, okay, I bless your lifestyle, right? So, you know, in that context, counseling is, is not, you know, good. But really, the, the solution is pretty simple. You know, you give one, two, three, take your medicine, right? You know, you go to the doctor and say, take these one a day, you'll be fine. And then you, you don't take them because you think you know better than the doctor. And now you're sick again, right? Well, guess what? 
this is kind of the situation. And this is where our ego really begins because I'm, I'm approaching this. You know, you can teach a lot of things out of this story. I've taught about faith out of this story. I've taught about all kinds of things. But when you start, you really look at this ego fight because we all have it. I know you guys are they're like, oh, I got this under control. No, you don't. You know, don't look at me with that attitude. I, I got you. I got you. You're like, I don't have an ego problem. Yes, you do, sunshine. You just see it right there. So, <laughs> Naaman, you got to understand, he's coming from a very high ranking, lots of money, very fine dinners, very fine food, very fine everything. He's not some, you know, foot soldier. And, again, Israel is considered inferior people. And everything they touch is considered inferior, including their rivers. And they're nasty and dirty, whatever. They, and, and so Naaman, watch, watch his attitude. Because he told him, I mean, he's there in a very desperate position. He says, I need to be healed. And the prophet tells him exactly what to do now. But you got, there's, little, there's a little thing that I think kicks off his bad attitude. All this is gonna, You're going to relate to all this when I'm done. Did you notice that Elijah didn't go talk to him? Now, this is a big shot. So imagine somebody comes to, to the church this morning and, and they talk to somebody back there and say, look, there's a representative of, of President Biden outside and he needs to really talk to you. And I'm like, H, go check it out. I don't have time for this. That would be pretty, I mean, hey, the President of the United States has summoned you and you're not even going to go talk to him? You're going to send somebody else? That's exactly what Elijah did. He said, who's there? Oh, some guy with leprosy. Well, tell him to do this. But you see, in Naaman's concept, and this is where your ego begins to really, really talk to you, because in, in, in Naaman's idea, he's like, that's the first thing that ticked him off. He says, what? You don't know who I am? So this is not about leprosy now. This is about his position. You don't know who I am? You, you mean you sent the servant? Are you kidding me? Watch what happens after. Once, once that ego takes control... You stop thinking correctly. Once your ego takes control, your mind goes into this weird little place where the original plan gets completely eliminated, and now whatever's driving you is your ego. Right, pay attention. Here we go. So Naaman came. Okay, we're ready to that. And, and Elijah said, go do this. Verse 11. But Naaman was wroth. I like that old Elizabethan English. I'm going to use that word when I'm angry. I'm wroth at you today. Isn't that cool? And went away. Question, church, why was he there? Somebody answer me, please. Don't be like, oh, I don't know, Pastor. Thank you, H, at least one person. And not that he's paying attention, he just knows the story. <laughs> just let you know. He just, I got the look. Okay, I'm sorry, H. I'm sorry. No, no, no more, no more. He's just like, hmm. That's all I needed. He was angry, and he went away and said, Behold, in other words, look, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord. So you see, ego creates perceptions that aren't real. Ego will create a, a narrative in your life that you will be convinced is the absolute truth. And unless that narrative is fulfilled, you're done with it. Your first goal was to be healed. Y'all need to track on this one. Because, I mean, you can teach a whole ego sermon on this thing. You're, you know, his goal was very simple. I'm dying. 
I need to be healed. Now, if you were in that situation, most of us would say, I would do whatever it takes to be healed. If you can guarantee 100%, I will not die. Pastor, tell me what to do. And I go, go down to the Rio Ground and dip yourself, you know, seven times. You're like, yeah, that's nasty. Can we do like in a swimming pool? No. That's the order. Wait a minute. I'm too good to go dip myself in the river. You see, now, now, we're up, now the, the goal of healing is completely sidelined. And now it's everything is about you now. And this is the same toxicity that we all live in every day regarding our ego. You all still with me? So let's keep reading. I mean, there's a lot going on here. So he, in his concept, let me bring this one in. He already figured out, he says, there's a prophet that heals. I'm going to show up. The prophet's going to come and bow at my feet because I'm like this super big shot. And once he stands up and stops bowing at my feet, he's going to say a few words, and all my leprosy is going to disappear, and I'll go home. And we're done. And by the way, he took a lot of stuff. So he, 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 is, he is not thinking he's getting it for free. If you back up, he shows up with a lot of stuff. He's bringing offerings, and he's bringing gifts, and he's bringing all this stuff because that's how it was, right? So he's not, he's not a, you know, he's trying to buy this miracle. And, and the prophet says, hey, I'm good with the miracle, but this is how you have to do it. Well, in his concept, he says, no, 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 no. That's not how it's supposed to go. Question, how many times have you approached God about something? Let's talk about our character. Let's talk about our, our personality. Let's talk about really what we're talking about, about ego. How many times have you approached God? Or let me put it the other way, how many times has God approached you? Probably more often than you approach God about your ego, right? And he doesn't adjust, and he says, you need to fix this. And, 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 you're, and, and the reason he's telling is to make you, well, not only to make you a better person, but to give you a better life. Everything that God tells you is about giving you a better life. It's about sleeping at night, about not, you know, not, I hear all this drama that goes on in people's life, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's, I don't have none of that. Now, I have my own version of drama, but I don't have a lot of that self-inflicted running from God drama. Are you here? So we come, you know, say, God, fix this, fix that. And God will say something, well, I need you to start tithing. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> See, I, you know how quick I lost you guys? Because tithing is never about money. Tithing is all about you, sunshine, and your little greedy little self that you think a, a dime on every dollar, God can't protect you over that if you lose that dime. I don't, you know, y'all don't have to say amen. I mean what I'm saying. God talks to us on a lot of levels. He says, you know, Lord... I need a financial breakthrough. Don't be an idiot with your wife. Well, Lord, she's the one that starts it. Here we go, right? Ego just kicked in. Ego just, every time you, every time you reject anything God tells you, it is not, you know, and I'm going to get to something here in a moment. We got to define, this is, I'm going to jump so far ahead, I don't want to, but I'll mention it. There's a difference between you, ego and self, and, and we'll talk about that later. You, you're, well, let me, let me, let me preview it. Self is who you are in your good motion in your good person you know god is with you your person your conscience who you are who you talk to all day your soul if you want to put it who you are you are not a bad person say amen because you're god infused all right if i can put it this way but ego is not god infused ego is flesh infused and that's what we talked about last week which i can't repeat myself the bible clearly you know breaks out the idea of flesh meaning world and flesh meaning ego slash pride all right so you don't find the word ego in the bible but you find a lot of other ideas that represent the same thing 
So now you have the situation where, where you get very simple instructions, but since you have already a preconceived idea of how this is supposed to go, your ego will reject that. It will reject whatever instruction comes because you, your ego has convinced yourself, your good self, that that is not the way to do this. Now, I know this is a little, you know, but, but we'll, we'll clear it up now. So let's take a pause there. We'll come back if we have time. Like the whole thing I want to teach is in, in the book of, I mean, in the story of Naaman. But let's look at some of these things on the, on the outline. Let's, let's go to the first one. Let's, let's find out where we're at. So a person, this is a message translation. It says a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. So ego represents the part of you that wants to control itself. Remember that. And, we're, and you say, well, Pastor, what are you really talking about? Well, if I could just, you know, if I could break out self and ego, self is the part that says, I want to go to church. I want to be a blessing to somebody. Self is the part that says, thank you. Self is, a, self is the part that when some, you know, there's lots of traffic, you'll park and let somebody go by in front of you. That's self. Ego is the other one. Do I have to define it? Like when there's traffic, you're like, you can wait one. <laughs> You get that one? Self, you know, the Holy Spirit talks to self. The Holy Spirit doesn't talk to ego. The Holy Spirit says, you need to fix this with your husband. You need to fix this with your wife. You need to fix this with your kids. Ego says, they started it. So a person without self-control. I put a big pause so you get it. Control of one's self. The control over your emotions. The control over anger. The control over criticism, the control over negativity, the control over lying, the control over all these things that we're going to talk about in a moment. Self-control. So now if you read it, that a person without self-control is like a house with doors and windows knocked out. Well, what does that represent? It It represents a house that is going to be invaded. It represents a house that is not protected to the elements. It represents a house that is not safe. Like if you go home this afternoon and all your windows and doors are knocked out, guess what? It's hot. Yesterday we had music practice here, and the devil attacked all the units, I guess. But anyhow, i got to give it to, to the praise team, because we were here at 95 degrees, loving Jesus. I was like soaking sweat, you know, and then like my guitar, my bass strap, like with the sweat, like little black stuff started coming out, and I had like all this black stuff that looked like I was dying of leprosy or something, you know, but that's another story. But, um, you know, back to self. A person without self control self-control is is the break that ego needs and i said this last week and and i'm trying to ego is not necessarily a bad thing and let me me, because you know you you could just go and say well well, what is the difference between ego and self well ego tells you that you're all it all right self tells you you need jesus (laughs) But the good part of ego is if it's driven to something positive without sacrificing the influence, right? So it's, God will influence your personality to do things that you're supposed to do. That's what we talked about last week. God will give you the desires of your heart. Not the, God will give you his desires in your heart, not the desires of your heart. That's what we talked about last week. Once those things happen, then the self-control really, really is because all of us here, I don't know about you, but I feel like if the way I live my life, I don't have like a long time. If I leave Jesus, I'll probably be back in the world like in a week. Come on, let's be honest. If you just were like, you know what, I'm done with this. More than likely, you'd probably go back 
to what originally got you here. You got, you got that? So those attitudes, you know, because that, that happens a lot. You know, I see this church, and I see, for example, thousands of people literally over 20 years have come through this church. Where are they? Well, some of them, their ego has kept them away. Some have been offended. Some have been placed in an, another place where I've done something wrong because ego is such a wicked little creature because, and that, that's a note that I have way in the front, but I'll throw it out there right now because I'm thinking about it. Ego is so wicked and so twisted that it will cause you to look at somebody in an inferior way. Watch. Ego will convince you that you're better because you got more money, you got more education, you got more the color of your skin, the whatever. That same ego will convince you that you're better than people, but that same ego will tell you that you're a piece of trash and that you've never accomplished nothing in your life and that you're worthless. Yes or no? Isn't that wicked? The same ego that says I'm better than you is the same ego that tells you that you're worthless. So now you see where depressions come? You see where the anxieties come? You see a lot of this movement in our, in our life, the mind chatter, that you, know, you can't shut your mind up, you can't do this, you can't do that. I'm telling you, this is life, guys. It is that stinking little fleshly part of you. In other words, what would the Bible call it? Adam's nature. That's all it is. So when you say Jesus come into my life, you know, according to what we've been studying for the last few weeks, we crucify the flesh, right? Well, we, you know, we're trying to. But the crucifixion of the flesh is a continual daily exercise that means I am no longer guided just by my emotions and, you know, my life. There has to be something else in me. And that is the presence that the Holy Spirit does. And really, because it's like, well, Pastor, do we get rid of ego? No, you can't get rid of ego because ego is you. It's it's the negative aspect that the tendency that it has that we have to fight all the time. Now, give me the next one, RJ. So, ego will always justify attitudes which create toxic egocentric emotions. And I just put example given. The Karens of the world. How many like those videos? They're so hilarious, right? You know, the, you know, Karen's gone wild and all that. How many of you have gone Karen on somebody? Guys, you can do it too. I've done it. You know, you just like completely lose it. What takes somebody to that point? And I almost showed a video, but no. You guys know what I'm talking about. The amazing thing to me, now this is not a racist remark. It's like, you don't see a lot of minority Karens. Why? It's always like white women, right? They're all pissed off at the world. You know? It's like, what's wrong with them, you know? Mexicans, we just go slash your tires. We take care of it in a different way. We don't make it personal. But, you know, what takes somebody... Okay, a question. Let's just be... Let's come on. Let's have honest church this morning. Can we be honest church? How many of you have lost control in any situation, like with a store or a refund or... Thank you. One honest Christian. Come on. I'm, I'm still... I'm still waiting for all the repentant. Okay, so, so we are on the right track. Next question. How many of you lost it after you thought you were very spiritual? Thank you for your honesty. And how many felt like a dog after you lost it and felt that you were spiritual? Thank you. So who, who did all this? Your ego. Remember last week I said, how are you trying to fix somebody's life if you can't even fix your own? You don't need, you know, you're trying to figure out your family, you're trying to figure out your wife and your kids. You can't even figure out yourself. And, and the comment on that one is, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. Or when you went all caring off somebody and you got in your car and you're shaking, you're like, oh, I just did this. Oh, God. You don't know yourself. 
What takes somebody, you know, from a passive position? I'm talking about myself. I had this incident a couple days ago, you know, with the pray for me with this. Well, I've I've come a long way, baby. That's all I'm going to say. But, you know, this lady irritated me. And I told her off, and I shouldn't have, but she deserved it. So my ego feels good about it. All right? That was a very deep joke. But anyway. Because <laughs> that's what we do, right? Ego, ego is about feeling. Anytime you have an issue where you lose control of your emotions, is your ego demanding its place. Where does anger come from? That place, right? All right. I'm not so far ahead. Move on. Give me the next one, RG. Let's take one at a time. Let's go to Galatians 5. This is message translation because this is so good. I went through like five translations and I finally found the one that's going to fit the message. And it is the message translation. Listen to Galatians 5. Now, if you read King James or the translation, the word is the fruit of the flesh. So you could read it two ways. Influence of the world or influence of your ego. The fruit of the flesh is manifest. So the message translation, which is a modern paraphrase, reads this way. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way. And I put in parentheses, that's my note, ego. You with me? Look at the screen again, or, or your phone. It is obviously what kind of life develops when you try to get your own way. So ego is that. Now, now you can define it that ego is, is, is the part of you that says, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to do it this way. There's no other way. There's no other options. I've decided this is it. Okay? And then he goes on to say some of these things. Now, in church, you can say, oh, Pastor, we don't do some of those. Well, yeah, church does most of them. Trust me. So all the time, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. That's pretty deep. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying wants. That sounds like the American way, right? A brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes, divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. You're like, no, Paul, stop. That's enough. Now, let's just be really honest, and, and if you want to look at that or you want to screenshot it, but you don't have to raise your hand, and if you smile, nobody, probably everybody will think that that doesn't apply to you. But I'm sure if you go through this list, you'll find more than one item that probably needs to be addressed in your life. Y'all want to go home already? It's a Mother's Day message, Pastor. Make it sweet. Happy Mother's Day, all right? Let's go back to the message. Because, you know, ego, really, that, that part, that flesh mindset. You say, I'm born again, Pastor. Why do I have... You know, Paul spent most... If you look at Paul's writings, if you could summarize everything he taught, two-thirds of the New Testament, and you come down to, like, his key teachings, about faith, about grace. There's like three key teachings that Paul talked about. He talked about faith, he talked about grace, and he talked about the flesh. Over and over. Every letter he wrote. There's a passage that if we get to in the next couple of weeks or next week that I really want to pick through, and that's Romans chapter 7. 
at the end, that is a really hard passage. Because he's really, the struggle, he calls it sin, right? But it's really the ego. He says, I do things I don't want to do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do them. And he goes, oh, wretched man that I am. And then that, he leads us right into the amazing Romans chapter 8, right? Life in the spirit. But Paul has this struggle. And if God trusted, you know, this is really, I'm not using this as an excuse, but there is not a perfect person in this building. And I, I can disqualify myself so many times from being up on this pulpit. But guess what? Paul had an attitude. Paul had anger. Paul got in, I mean, he got so mad, he, he run Mark off. Remember the Mark, the guy that, of? I mean, you don't have a gospel of Paul. <laughs> you have a gospel of Mark, and Paul thought Mark was an idiot. So you, so you see that God's grace is amazing. God says, look, I know you have issues. I know you have Adam's nature. But if you give me a little room, I can help you with it. And I can still use you beyond your deficiencies. I can still use you beyond those things that you have put on yourself to make you think you're, not, you're worthless. That's what I'm saying. Because the ego is the one that tells you you're worthless. The ego is the one that tells you you can't do anything. Amen? So when you look at this list... You know, and, and of course, the answer to this is live by the Spirit. Now, we're not there yet. I just wanted to introduce this list because this is really such a great summary of the things that ego drives. Now, you might not be, as a Christian, you're like, well, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing all this sexual stuff, whatever. Okay, fine. But a lot of these things, like, like the second one, that one slapped me in the face. I'm, I'm being honest with you. This week when I was preparing this, I, I had to stop and pray about this. I said, Lord, wow, you know, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage? Wow. You know, we're dragging stuff that, from our childhood, stuff that happened in our teenage years, stuff that happened in our 20s. You know, I'm 56, and, you know, every event becomes, you know, the, this mark in, in your life that, has to, that, that grows and grows. And the event is completely pointless because I already taught you guys at the beginning of the year. The time is an illusion. Hello? You only live in the now. There's no other place you live. So you're over here beating yourself up about something you said or did you know, either 20 minutes ago or 20 years ago. Have you, ever, have you ever digested when you've had a conflict with somebody or you try to express yourself and it went bad? Have you ever sat back and, because this is me, and this is horrible, and you sit there and digest every single little word that you told that person? No? And you just sit there, well, maybe if I should have said this, or maybe if I said that, and maybe if I, well, maybe I shouldn't have said, well, maybe if I would have worded it this way, maybe if I would have picked my words better. And you're, and you're beating, and, 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 the, and the weird thing is, this thing happened 10 years ago. Come on, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Guess who's bringing that in, that ego? Because the ego hates the present. I'll tell you that right now. Ego is always about fear of the future and regrets of the past. That's all it ever is. So when you break this down, you know, you find these little things, accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. You see, I can see that in my life. Like, really, Lord, what do I do? I said, well, get rid of it. It's garbage. Hello? Well, that's easy to say. But your mind is an amazing, amazing instrument that God designed to inhabit his spirit, that your mind, if, it's, if it loses control, it causes, I mean, look at what's going on in the world. Look at somebody like, like Putin and, and the devastation. And, and, I, and I just think, doesn't he see like that no soul left? Because your mind has convinced you of something, right? So you begin to think, you say, well, what is the mental emotional garbage? What is, what is this frenzied and joyless grabs of happiness? The church, you know, we're all in the pursuit of happiness. But most of us have discovered that stuff doesn't bring you happiness makes you comfortable while you're miserable right i mean stuff it doesn't make you happy makes you comfortable so you have all these things that 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 are really working on you it says frenzied and joining these graphic happiness trinket gods 
So, well, that's not in the church, Pastor Buck. Are you kidding me? Wait till there's a football game on Sunday. We'll find out who their God is. You know, I'm not, I'm not being, I mean, I'm religious. You know, I'll go to a football game. I'll tell you guys, I'm not going to be here. I'm taking my family to football. Nothing wrong with that. Don't be weird. But I'm just saying, we have other gods. Oh, God is number one. Until your favorite TV show comes on, then he's not one. I'm, wrong. I'm not poking at you. I'm just saying, trinket gods means anything that you could worship at any point. It could be a person, place, or thing, right? So, magic show religion. That's us. Not us, but that's Christianity, right? Give me $100, God will give you this. Where, where's that building off? Talk to me. Your ego. When some preacher gets up here and says, if you give $100 to God, God will give you 1000 It's working on two things, which is horrible, both of them. Number one, that preacher will be accountable for lying, because that's not the word. But the person will be accountable for letting their ego. Because that's not spiritual, right? You're like, oh, if I give $100. That's not spiritual. Your ego's working. It's like somebody says, hey, I got this really good business deal. Oh, nothing wrong with that. But you see, ego drives things that we call spirit. And they're not. And... The more you look at it, they just keep popping out. You know, paranoid, paranoid, loneliness, cutthroat competition, consuming and never satisfy one, so forth and so on. So this one is a good summary of really the personality of an ego left on its own without God. All right, let's give me the next one. Let's knock some of these out. Ryan Holiday, this guy's really good, you know, discovered him a few years ago. And he's not really a spiritual, I mean, he's not, a, I mean, I'm not even sure. I think he does have some spiritual basis, but anyway. He made this statement, and it's so good. He says, when we remove ego, we're left with what is real. And boy, is that like slap in your face. What replaces ego is humility. Yes, but rock-hard humility and confidence. Where its ego is artificial, this type of confidence can hold weight. Ego is stolen. Confidence is earned. Pay attention to this one line. The ego is stolen confidence is there now well that's like further down into what we're talking about but he says ego is self-anointed it's swagger it's artifice one is grinding yourself the other is gaslight i'm not going to finish gaslighting but that's what a lot of us do right you just put stuff on people to make them feel bad and hopefully change the way they're doing something because you're just making them feel miserable so now your ego is not only destroying you it's destroying other people's lives and it's and then it just says this little statement that i really like it's the difference between potent and poisonous you know Humility, now that's, that, that, we'll probably hit that one next week, but just briefly, that's another thing that's completely misunderstood in the church. But that is really what we're after. We're after a true humility. Not a, what society believes is humility, a true humility, because a true humble person, the very first thing they got under control is their ego. And it might not be 100% under control, but, they, but they're getting it under control. All right? All right, let's move on. So with that in mind, give me the next one, RJ. If we seek social status, this is William, another quote by William B. No, a quote by not another one. William B. Irvin says, if we seek social statuses, we give other people power over us. We have to do things calculated to make them admire us, and we have to refrain from doing things that will trigger their disfavor. And I thought this was such a good, interesting statement because... Right now, we live in a society like never before that it's like this whole thing. With, you know, think about social media. For, the, for, for millennials and for all these generations, that's like 
normal. But for us, it's not. I mean, I see, you know, I use it, we all use it, but it's not really like we grew up with this thing, all right? Here's the thing, you know, social status is really driven by an ego. So you have all these things. That, the reason I'm putting these little things come up here is because these things are all the little things that you have to process because the goal, really the end of the sermon, I'm going to say now, it might take me three weeks to get to it, but the, really, the, the goal is to really develop true humility because humility is the only thing that can counteract your ego. There really is, I mean, nothing left. I'll show you the steps to, to really, and we're going to talk about false humility. We're going to talk about a lot of things that, that are out there. But remember this because the more we think we have to, how can I put it, portray or be or show. Now, that's fine. I'm not saying, don't change anything you do, guys. If you enjoy your life, you enjoy it, you know, whatever. But make sure that it's not ego driven because, you know, for example, Facebook. It's probably one of the most ego-driven things there is. And I'll prove it to you. I mean, there's that one person that is brutally honest. But 99% of Facebook people, including myself, we're not going to put our real life out there. We're going to put the highlights. I went to the beach. I did this. I went that. I had a good time. Hey, look at me. Look how, what great food I'm eating. Right? I still get that one weird. You know what's just so weirder? I've seen people put on Facebook, not a picture of the food they're eating, a picture of the food they ate. You see that? It's like a plate with like chili and sauce. I'm like, this is so good. I'm like, what was it? <laughs> if you're gonna send a picture of your food, so before you chew on it, right? Anyway, this this social drive is in, to me. It's it's weird. Now I got into it when it started, but the more you know, the more I look into it, the less you know. I'll, I'll I still post stuff, but it's usually just you know stuff to stir people up, which I'm trying not to do anymore. All right, <laughs> primarily the other side, but that's okay because it's ego driven also. So I have to stop it, right? So, but this idea of social status, because this is, this, this is where we got to go now, because we're talking, how do, how do I counteract this ego? Well, the first thing is you've got to recognize it. If you don't recognize it, how it works in you, then you're not going to be able to, to deal with it. So how do you recognize it? Okay, question, how important is it to you what people think about you? On a, okay, let's put it like the doctors do on a pain level. <laughs> on a one to ten. <laughs> how important is it to you? What people think about you. Now, don't, don't answer, please, because I really don't want to spend the rest of the afternoon counseling y'all. Um, but think about it. This is a big one because this has been a big one in my life. That the more I work on it, the less it is. Because, you know, trust me, I, I've kind of dealt with this a few years ago. I didn't have a problem with this when I was in the world. Are you guys here? Oh, I, know, I know some of you guys were born holy, but... People like me and a few other choice members of this church, we weren't that holy. But when I was in the world, I really could care less what people thought about me. I would dress however I felt like it, you know, and I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but if I didn't feel like changing my pants for a while, I'd just keep putting on the same day because it's a lot of work to wash them, right, Freddie? I mean, play Highland. You could care less. Well, not everybody. You know, there's some people in the world that are obsessed with image and all that. But, you know, as a Christian, you would think that this would be a non-issue. Because we claim that Jesus, that we are crucified with him. <laughs> uh, yeah, H, help me. I might just let you finish this. You could get the baddest, 
and you can use all the explicitives you want after that, biker, you know, hell's angel guy, you know, MC all the way, bad dude, and he dies. And, we, and you do his funeral. And instead of dressing him up in all his leathers and all his patch and his vest, you put on a pink tutu on him. Do you think that guy cares? But if you did that in, in real life, he'd probably kill you. My point is, that guy could care less because he's dead. But Christians, where you say, oh, I'm crucified with Jesus. No, uh, no, you're not. Because I, all I have to do is say something you don't like, and we'll find out how quick all those little nails get put back into their little box. That's all of us. That's me. I'm not putting, I'm, that's me. Because everything, w- once something rubs me the wrong way, I have to learn. That's ego. But we don't. We just go like, oh, I can't believe they did that to me. And we start driving that. And we start driving, just like Naaman, we start driving that. He forgot about his leprosy. He was all about me, and I'm this big shot, and who does this prophet think he is? And how come I, I can't come go to my river? My river's cleaner than your river. We do that all the time, church. As Christians, we're talking to believers now. So when you see this, how important is your social status versus how important is your Jesus status? That's all. You know, quote that, tweet it, whatever you want to. But I got to work to a place where my status with Jesus has to be higher than my status with society. And that is what that quote means right there. He says, because every time you believe you need to represent an image or a what are people going to think, guess what you're doing? You're giving people power over your life. And God doesn't want anybody else to have influence in your life except you and him. Yeah, I'm saying you. He wants your influence in your own life. But he wants to drop that influence. And, you know, I, again, I'm, again, you know, going back to gearing this message towards millennials, your generation and the one previous, you know, coming right after you and the one coming right after you, it's all about this. It's about image. It's about stuff. It's about materialism. It's about me, 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 me. It is like the most toxic ego-building, you know, time in society that I've ever felt. And if you, as a parent, don't begin to look at your kids moving through this weird season that the world is in, you're going to end up with these little narcissistic little monsters and nobody will ever have anything to do with them because they believe everything is about them. And again, I'm not knocking stuff, but when you go to a game and everybody gets a trophy, what is that about? Hey, your team lost, you know, because you guys are no good, but hey, there's a trophy. It's about their ego. Instead of saying, you guys suck, y'all need to practice. We say, oh, no, no, here. Let me, let me soothe your ego, age, even though you didn't do anything. And these kids are growing up in a world that is not real. And if they think everything's going to be handed to them, it's not. If anything, they're going to a very weird world. And as a responsibility, we have to keep, because we are driven the same way. If we don't get our little cookie after we did something, we don't get our little pat on the back. You know, I love all my leaders. Thank you, guys. Everybody serves this church. You don't know, I will wash your feet eternally because we can't do this alone. But in this business, you can't navigate waiting for somebody because I got nobody patting my back. I don't. I mean, sometimes every once in a while, somebody say, Pastor, you bless me. That's my pat on the back. That's it. Ego demands 
Ego demands recognition. Ego demands, what about me? When the whole, and I said this last week, when, when one of the fundamental, fundamental things of Christianity was service. It wasn't a side dish. It was one of the key points of Jesus' ministry was you come to serve. Serve each other. Well, he goes right on the other. Sir, you serve me. I ain't going to serve you. That's the ego-driven, right? So, again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this idea, but be careful. If you really are tracking on what I'm teaching you is what is the most important thing in your life? How society looks at you or how God looks at you? And I think once we resolve that, that's okay. I'm not saying shut your Facebook down. I'm saying, you know, enjoy it, but make sure that your ego is not driven by public opinion. Because if it's driven by public opinion, you are always going to be let down because you're never going to make them happy enough. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have the, the finest car. You're never going to have the finest house. Because as soon as you think you've got the finest house, somebody's got a bigger one. Amen. So we have to, you know, let me tell you, that's why I keep talking to millennials. You know how much money I'm going to save you guys if you guys get a hold of this? You guys might even start tithing. Imagine that. Because now you're going to find, you know, if you want to buy some clothes, you buy it because you want it. Not because you have a need to show people how well off you are. Hello. I know in South Texas we don't understand with keeping up with the Joneses, but we'll just use a Mexican name. Because we don't have Joneses, right? But keeping up with your neighbor and keeping up with whatever last name you want to put up, that is ego-driven life. And I shared this last week briefly, but I'll plug it in for those of you who weren't here. One of, the, one of the things that you'll find is, how do you feel? Talking about the social point. You know, you're perfectly fine driving whatever you're driving. And, you know, it gets you from point A to point B and you're happy with it. And you were fine with it. And it's a, you know, five-year-old car, ten-year-old car, whatever it is. But then your neighbor drives up in a brand new car. And you know that you have a better job than this. And you know you go to church. And you know that you just got it all together. Y'all want to go already? Amen. I just go preach at this corner now. I'm just kidding. Where's that coming from? It's coming from an uncontrolled ego. Because I say, you were perfectly fat and happy right there. So, I'm missing something. Because ego will always tell you what you don't have. And how your life is not fulfilled until you get that. And as soon as you get that, he'll tell you, oh, I'm glad you got that, but it's not fulfilled because now you're going to get that. And as soon as you get that, that's why I'm saying, you guys get this message, you're going to save a lot of money. Because now you look at your life like, yes, I'm going to buy nice stuff. I like nice stuff, but I don't have to buy anything nice to prove a point to anybody. And if I buy something nice, it's because I want it nice. I like it. But I don't have to. And, and trust me, I was there. I was in a place where you... You know, you, you drive this thing, this social status. The, you know, ¿Qué va a decir la gente de mí? I got to think I got it together. I got to let people know that I got money. I got to let people know that my family is fine. What is this? Who cares? Because nobody cares. And you're trying to impress people that don't care about you. Hello. When you could take those resources and invest them in the people that actually care about you. It's called Family. It's called your church. It's called people that, that, that surround you with love and, and integrity and direction and wisdom. That's where you should be investing. But we're investing a lot of money and we're drowning in debt because we think we have an image that we have to portray to the world. That is ego. And it's killing you and it's making you broke. And the reason you don't say amen is because 
You don't want to. Because you know it's true. You're, okay, pastor. Anger, and this is just really brief because it's like a whole different subject, but anger is really the mother of a lot of emotions. It is the root of most emotions. But anger is very, you know, there, there's righteous anger, which is very rare for a Christian. It's really hard to even find it. And then there's anger, wrath, hate. But anger comes always from a challenged ego. Think about it. Well, let's have a question. How many can think of the last thing that made you angry right now? The last thing. Are you willing to share it? Okay. Uh, are you willing to share it? No? Aye. <laughs> well, I guess um, we're on the right message then. The last thing that made me really angry was this lady a couple of days ago on the radio. Because there was a traffic thing. And you, know, you know how you go one and one? You know, trying to get past the construction. You go one, one, one. Well, we were doing the one and one. And she decided she wasn't doing the one and one. But I decided I'm Mexican and she will do the one and one. So she put her car like that, and I put my car like that, and then she honked at me, and then I rolled my window down. And I was going to tell her how much Jesus loved her, but that didn't come out. Because I was on the south side, that's all they talk. Now you know why I was on the south side. And then she did something like that, and that's all I'm going to share about the last time I got anger. You might not come to church next week. <laughs> but it's weird, after that whole thing, all the emotions and irritation that I didn't have just a minute ago. Are you still with me? And it didn't leave as fast as it came in. I wish it would have. That would be cool, right? If, Ooh, I'm angry. I'm happy. No, I was happy, and now I'm angry, and I'm angry, and I'm angry. And it's sitting there. And it's gonna, not going to resolve until you get your little stinking little ego and line it up to what God That's the only thing that's going to resolve it. Because you'll sit there and you'll think about it the next day and you'll think about it the next day and you'll think about it the next day. Amen? And all that stuff is in a place where it's completely pointless called your past. Your ego loves your past. Amen? So anger, now we can do a whole teaching just on anger, but anger really comes from a challenged ego. You know, not, I mean, obviously, you know, if somebody does something to your kids, that's a whole different <laughs> level of anger, right? But I'm talking most of the stuff that irritates you are really challenging your position. In other words, my rights. This is why did you, why are you violating my rights? That was that whole incident with the car. I keep having these incidents in Laredo. Maybe I should stop going to Laredo, right? I've had, and so what's the lady drivers in Laredo? The last one I was thinking about was like two years ago, and she flicked me off, and I was going to church. I feel like flicking her off too, trust me. But I didn't. Anger is the biggest ego indicator you've got. Amen? No, we're going to leave it at that. Give me the next energy, because I really want to get some. Maxime, and I'm not sure you pronounce his name, the gas, and he's a famous hockey player. He, this, he, he has some really smart stuff. He says, being angry means your lizard brain took control. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> being calm means you stayed above your emotions. 
And I thought that was so good because that, 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 that emotional, if you, if you can relate anger to ego, you'll control anger. Because if I say, hey, guys, you need to control your anger, you're like, yes, Pastor, I got this. I'll pray to Jesus. But if we come in from a part of you that is that it's your control, that it's you, you, your ego, you're like, okay, can I learn to grow this emotion in the right way? In other words, somebody does me wrong, first question, did they do you wrong or did you perceive it wrong? Because ego creates a filter. Remember last week? You look at everything in life with this big, huge chip on your shoulder. The whole world's out to get you, right? And if you don't make your stand, they'll run over you. But you see, that's that lizard brain. <laughs> and I like what I, I just thought it was funny, lizard brain. Um, but the calmness is really a developed spirit. That's really where I'm, that's where I'm working, man. Trying, because you know, my whole family's in the room right now. Are you kidding me? I'm being challenged. I can't lie. From this pulpit. Like, if they weren't here, I would make up all kinds of stuff. But they're all here. No, I wouldn't. You guys, I wouldn't. And if they're going to come back to see their dad pastor in the next few weeks, they, they know they've seen my worst. They've seen my darkest. They've seen me break stuff. And hopefully, they've seen over the last 20 years that that thing's been tempered down. Is it dead? No, it's not dead. But I want it dead. But it's not dead. Ask that lady in Laredo. It's not dead. But you see, you're under this commission to say, so I want you to leave with, now we're not finished, but I want you to leave with this idea. Says, this is something we work on all the time. It's, so when you have an incident, don't oh, I, I, I can't do this. No, I'm quitting the church. No. You just keep working it. I'm working it. And my, my experience was, I always say the long fuse, no fuse, you know, short fuse. So I went from short fuse, when I barely got saved, to an extremely long fuse, the prom, there's still a fuse. And the prom, somebody will drive by and light it as it's dangling out the window, right? The goal is to have no fuse. The goal is to be able to process everything from spirit and not from flesh. Even though you're flesh, and that's, that's the goal, okay? So anger really should tell you, every time you feel that, that should be your recognition to say, okay, is, is, is this emotion justified? Because, for example, if your child's in danger... Now, I know, worst case scenario, child abduction, some horrible thing like that. I don't, I don't play it out. But, but you're in a position to rescue that child. You're going to be angry, mom. Come on, moms. You're, you're wolf. Mom part's coming out, right? You're going to fight, bite, gouge eyes out. You're getting your baby back. Is that sin? No. That's righteous anger. So that, that, that's not what we're talking about. So we're not trying to, you know, you're not going to get away from being that, that, that emotion that we call anger. You're not going to get away from it. Jesus had it. I mean, he turned tables in the temple and beat people up. You know what I mean? But it was righteous. So we're not going to dig into that. But every other anger after that is an emotional condition that at the front end, you can control it. But you only got, I heard, I, I was reading something, again, this is not, wasn't necessarily Christian. Uh, it was from a psych, psychologist thing I was reading, psychology thing I was reading. And, he, and I'm not sure how it's true, but I, I was practicing it, and he's right. He said, he said, you got 14 seconds. Have you guys ever heard that? The 14 seconds? That when something hits you, if you have 14 seconds to either let it go, or it will create another thought. That's interesting. I don't know how they timed this, but if, when somebody hits you, you got, a, you got a short time in your brain process to either throw it away, 
or that thing is going to create another thought. Right? Back to my little example, because I'm the only one that's willing to embarrass themselves this morning. The lady cuts you off. If I knew, you know, if I'm practicing what I'm preaching, which I wasn't, I'm being honest. Because, you know, and the reason I wasn't practicing is you weren't, you weren't really thinking spirit at the moment, right? Because, like, if I walk out of the parking lot right now, ha oh, spirit. Somebody wants to go, yes, oh, God bless you. Back then I was in my work mode, which is not good because you're spirit all the time, yeah? But my decision, if I would have just let her pass, that would have been the end of everything. But my ego said, no, 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 no. They're violating your rights. Yes, they are, Mr. Ego. And here we go. And Spirit, Holy Spirit, Calvin, nope, nope, no, Jesus. You don't understand. You've never driven a car. I mean, that's, I'm being silly, but that's how this works. That's how this works. So you got this little 14 second, because then after that time frame, there's another thought that's added to that thought. And then, then from there, it can just be roller coaster. I'm not roller coaster, you know, like snowball effect. One thought, another thought, another thought, another thought. Before you, and you were having just a fine day, and now you're like about to shoot somebody. Like, are you kidding me? So when we do not control this, that's why I like this quote, we, we go into this an, like animal nature, right? How do animals react when they're angry? You know, actually, animals are way less emotional than we are. But usually, you know, an animal reacts when he's angry only when he's challenged. Most of the time, now there's some stupid dogs I know who just go beat everybody up, but most of them aren't. And I think as humans, we have to begin to, to really like take this message and say, okay, this week, as I, as I navigate through this week, I got to be really sensitive to these little anger things. You hear something on the news. Sometimes you got to shut the news off. Because it's, you know, you just leave that thing on all day on TV, and the more you hear, the angrier you get. So it's up to you to control that influence. Now, Again, this isn't really where I wanted to go spend all my time, but I think it's important as you walk out, be sensitive because you have a chance and you have a limited time. In other words, when you have those responses, you know, stop. You know, that's, that's always the, the joke, right? In Mexico, there used to be an ad. Oh, my gosh, this, they made so many jokes. I'm talking when I was living in Mexico as a teenager. There was an ad on TV about not beating up your kids because you know how Mexican moms are, right? Anyway, <laughs> we have Maybe we got good families, right? Anyway. So it was, you know, so it was like a public address campaign, and they were like, you know, antes de que golpea a su hijo, cuenta al diez. Okay? Anybody remember that? So before you beat up your kid, count to ten. So the joke was, and I can't say because there's an explicit at the end, so in Spanish, it's funny. Sorry, people, you'll have to get a translator. So they say, cuenta hasta diez. So that was the ad. So in other words, calm down, don't kill your kid yet. But then the joke was, cuenta hasta diez, y luego rompale toda la... You guys have a dirty mind. Happy Mother's Day, right? This is going really bad, Kathy. We need to bring this back here. Give me the next slide. Maybe that will fix it. Ego, here you're going to love this one, feeds from overthinking. Anybody have that problem? The same ego that tells you you are superior will tell you that you're a worthless person you are. It will cause you to overthink. I already mentioned this point, but I brought it in front of you. And will analyze every little word. Does anybody have that problem overthinking other than me? You just sit there for hours like, uh, it's your ego. So, once again, 
It feeds. Where does overthinking usually go? Trust, you know, follow this one. It always is going to go to the past, it's always going to go to the future. There's very little overthinking about your present condition. Because your present condition has to be resolved when? In the present. But overthinking is always, I should have, could have, been that, done that, whatever, you know. And the ego just loves that stuff. So if you have a problem with overthinking, you don't have a problem with overthinking, you have a problem with your ego. And the more you control that part of you, you're going to find out that your thoughts, guess what, you, you are not your thoughts. We talked about this in January. You are not your circumstances. And you get to pick your thoughts. I mean, the Bible's really clear in um, 2 Corinthians. He said, take captive every thought. That, that, is, that is a responsibility. And when you understand, so pastor, how do I control the self thing? Well, think about what thoughts fuel negative behavior. That's all I'm saying. Next time you're in a situation, and I'm, t- I'm preaching to myself now, where I'm in a situation where th- I could have road rage, I need to have that control over that thought. That's all I'm saying. Because I've got to recognize that. Okay, I'm in this situation again, and, and I want to be spiritual, and I want to control my ego, so I'm not going to... Somebody wants to go by, just let them go by. That's hard on your flesh. Like, you say, Mexicano, that doesn't happen, Pastor. Come on, you know. Because, you know, your, your, your flesh is like curling up. You know, I said that right now. So I'm like, I'm not going to let him pass, Pastor. You're the preacher. You let him pass. I'm not going to let him pass. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you want to share it? Go for it. That's what we do. <laughs> now you got two people mad at you, the tailgater and your wife. You wanted a DPS so bad, right? It's a sermon, Freddie. <laughs> That's why we come to church. <laughs> but what a great story because I could pick like, you know, I'm like, I'm like Freddie. I mean, somebody gets on tailgates me. That's like, I have all these techniques I use. I usually don't even hit the brake. I just keep slowing down, slowing down. I mean, I'll be down to like 30 and they'll be like, and I'm like, ha ha, my ego feels so good. <laughs> But, but here's the thing, you know, we, we, we walk into situations, and I'm, 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 you know, this, this will get back to that probably next week, but we walk into situations where it's, it's one level. But because of that situation, I, I, I said it jokingly, but he had one person angry at him. Now he's caused some situation where his wife could potentially be angry with him. Now that's, you don't want to go there, right? <laughs> Give me the next one. Now. We're going to close it with this one. I, I really didn't get to. We'll introduce it with this one because we have to... Um, begin to connect this and, and i'll just introduce it because my time is kind of up it's in other words this is better to really open it up next week so i want you to come but what is now the ego versus the spirit because at the end that's what we're pursuing right 
the Bible says, you know, if you live by the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, we've always said that, well, that's the lust of flesh. If I live by the Spirit, then I will, I'll stop drinking. If I live by the Spirit, I'll stop, you know, being an idiot or I'll stop, you know, sinning or whatever thing you do that you would consider sin. But, that, you know, that's not all that it means. It means this. It means, you know, the ego is really the root cause of most problems that we have. Because he wants to do, or, you know, he meaning the person in you, without Jesus, the Adamic nature always goes to the dark side. In every situation, it has, and I mean dark side by meaning it's me, it's me, and only me, and that's the way it's going to be. That's what ego drives it. So when you're talking with the spirit, let's look at some of these, these questions, because this is really, you know, there's just a couple of things I want to pull out of this, and then, then we'll quit. Psalm 59, 15 talks about this, and this is really a great description of this. They wonder about for food and growl if they were not satisfied. That is such, I mean, if you read that into that, it's kind of an interesting psalm. But that idea is really about that ego is always, always, always focused on the things that are missing. Well, what is that? What are the things that are missing? First, you've got to decide, what is missing in your life? Because if you, if you decide what's missing in your life, you're going to have to give it a category. Pay attention. If what's missing in your life can only fall into three, three categories. And one of them like, well, could have three parts, but I'm not going to get real technical. Spirit, soul, and body. That's the only area where something could be missing. So if you think, I'm missing something in the spirit, what's the only thing? Well, you're missing God. That's it. You connect to God, you're good in the spirit. How do you do that? Jesus come into my life. I give you my life. I'm going to try to live according to your standards. You know, That takes care of spirit. Then we get in the big one, which is the soul. What is missing in your soul? So that one you could break down, down into three, right? What's missing in your emotions? What's missing in your will? Remember, willpower to do the things that you want to do and have the power to do them. So you have what's missing in your area of your will and what's missing in the area of your thinking. In other words, toxic thinking versus healthy thinking. Again, this is all, you know, this kind of foundation. So when you see that, because ego always, it's always, is always one of its characteristics. We talked about ego and anger. And now we talk about eager, ego and always focusing on what's missing. It's always something that, again, I've used this so many times in this church, it's overused, I know. But, you know, you're watching TV, you're perfectly fine with where you're at, with whatever stuff you have. And then an ad pops up of something new they invented, and now you desperately need it. And now your life is not fulfilled. And now you're obsessing about it. And I mean, and, and a day before, you were perfectly fine because you didn't even know it existed. Amen. Come on. Y'all don't look at me this way. So ego will focus many times on what's missing. Spirit doesn't, you see, because spirit is fulfillment. And this is the thing that ego will tell you. But let, me, let me put this one out there. Because ego will tell you you're not spiritual enough. Isn't that the thing? And if, and if ego's not telling you you're not spiritual enough, you have a lot of dear little... Christians tell you you're not spiritual enough. You don't pray enough. You don't go church enough. You don't do this. You know, it's just beating you, beating you, beating you. What is that? It's your ego telling you, you really think God's going to do something for you? Oh, are you kidding me? Come on. And it'll bring up your past and your past life and what you did. And, and it's just building where spirit, listen to me, spirit does not feed or does not, well, does not, not, doesn't need, it can, but it doesn't need to feed off anything regardless of the flesh. The only thing that spirit needs to feed is God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the word of God, out of the mouth of God. That is spiritual food. 
So when you come to church, guess what you're getting? Spiritual food. You're getting spiritual nutrition. But here's the thing. Is this your only meal? Because, you know, I'll tell you what. I'm going to come up with a new diet. I just figured out. You know how they have all these fad diets? I'm going to call it the Christian diet. We're going to, everybody's going to lose a ton of weight. We're only going to eat once a week. You can eat all you want. But you can only eat once a week. I promise you, you're going to lose weight. Some of you, that's weird. That's what you're doing in your spirit. Your spirit is starving. And your ego is so strong that your spirit man or spirit person is so weak that it doesn't have any energy to fight it. So anytime ego wants to run, spirit goes with it because there's no energy. When you come to church, when you have daily devotionals, when you have a daily prayer time, you and God. When you spend a few minutes reading your Bible, when you listen to a Christian song, when you... You know, instead of watching some garbage on the TV, you decide to spend time with the Lord. All that is feeding your spirit. So when ego comes and tries to challenge you, your spirit's got it. You're like, no, 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 I got the love of God. I'm not going to cut this person off. I'm not going to, you know, whatever we all do all the time. Hopefully, I, before I get home, I won't have any road rage issues today. But um, <laughs> you see, that spirit, strong spirit controls ego. Strong ego drives the spirit wherever it wants to so that's what they say they wonder about for food and growl if they're not satisfied ego is never satisfied i mean you can have again let's just keep everyday scenarios because if you can't take something home then we're just wasting our time you have a fight at your house with somebody you love anybody have that child husband wife mom dad and the fight is over but it's not over come on it's over I mean, whatever the fight was, it's over. But it's not over because your ego feels it's not over yet. It's still not satisfied with the pain that it's feeling. So it's got to dish out more. And, and, and your husband already apologized. He brought you flowers. And you're like, yeah, we'll sell you. I will forgive you, but I'll never forget. You're not worthy of my forgiveness. Ego's like, yeah, keep, keep him there, keep him there, keep him there. Piece of trash. Yeah, keep him there. It's your husband, it's your child, it's your family. The Lord specifically told me where this where this service was going. And I don't even know if I put it up there on the note. But I think it's, well, let me just read a couple things and we're going to go there. Because this is really, I, I, I knew this is where we're going. And I have to, I have to dig up the note because I don't know. I got like my slides kind of mixed up a little bit. One of the saddest things that ego does to families, it keeps families separate. It keeps people angry at each other. It keeps parents from talking to their kids. It keeps kids from talking to their parents. And the Lord really wants to fix those things. And I know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm moving a lot of faster than I expected, but that was where we were going with this. Because the one thing that, that God is, God does not love, God is love. And that love of God is pure. And there's no, there's no darkness in there. There's not even a, like a dot our love isn't like that. Our, our love is very conditional, right? You love me, I love you. You don't love me, I don't love you. God doesn't do that. God loves those that hate him. You say, Pastor, that's God. I can't do that. I know. We might not have that capacity, but we have him. And the more you recognize the situation, because ego is always, you know, some of these things are pursued. I'll just skip that one. But listen to Isaiah 50, 55, and then I'll, I'll close with um, the Philippians one. It says, why do you spend money 
for what is not bread. And this is really powerful. It says, and your wages for that does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in abundance. God has something that is abundant. That we spend our time, and, and, and the analogy of Isaiah would be, you know, looking for things in the natural realm. Pursuing solutions in the natural realm. Pursuing, you know, your, your family's welfare in the natural world. Now, that's not right. You know, get a job. Take care of your family. Put a roof over their head. I get that. But the source of that should be God. That ego will always tell you, if I don't do it, it can't get done. And that same ego is the one that drives relationships. And let me see if I, if I have it here. Because, you know, the, last night when I was praying over this, and even this morning as I was tuning it, you know, he... It, the Lord really spoke to me about this. He said, um, where is it? Oh, here it is. This, this is the note that, uh, that I wanted to write. Because ego, and, and it'll be kind of next week's message. Let me just read Philippians. It says, don't be selfish. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. You want the solution to all your fights? You want the, the solution to a, a marriage that, yes, they'll go through difficult things, but they will find a solution? It's right there. That's the answer to that. As long as you don't think as any, as you don't think yourself as better, because that is exactly what ego does, right? I'm better than you. Why, you know, you offended me. You, your apologies have not satisfied my ego. You know, and, and it will drive. It will drive. And like I said, the fight was over a long time ago, and it, because it wasn't stopped, now there's, there's people that aren't talking to them. I know people like this. I know brothers that haven't talked to each other in years. Are you kidding me? I mean, one thing that we've put in our, in our family, and you can ask all my kids, and you know, everybody, my grandkids, I always say family first. Family first. Family first. Yes, we are, we'll have fights. Yes, we'll have arguments. Yes, we'll have disagreements. The family is first. Are you listening to me, church? And you better crucify your ego on these levels because your ego and whatever your feelings are are not worth losing your family. And that is really true humility. When you know that, you're, that, that everybody owes you that you're the one that's going to apologize. That's true humility. When you're the one that's owed the apology, that you are willing to apologize. That's true humility. That's where ego has nothing else left. That is where ego is completely disarmed. And I'm really encouraging you, Mother's Day would be such a great day to do this. That if there's any relationship in your life that is not where it needs to be, you need to pick up that phone. You need to go see them. You know, you need to send a text. The pastor, they did this too. Instead of saying me, say ego. See how it fits? Instead of saying to me, say to my ego. You don't understand what they did to my ego. Oh, so now you can separate your ego. That's wonderful. That is a really good thing. Because if you can separate your ego from yourself, now you're starting to track. But I really believe that, you know, we we should not be wasting time. We should not be wasting time. There should not be a relationship in our life that is broken. But what if they don't want to talk? That's fine. I always say this. It's like a tennis game. The ball's in your court. Once you hit that ball back, that's whatever they do with it. That's their business. If they never talk to you, if they go on Facebook and cuss you out, that's their business. You did the right thing. And because you did the right thing, God will honor you in that. Amen? Let me read this and we'll be done. And I was really, I'm, I'm going to use this next week. It's ego pride. I'm using the, now I'm, I'm bringing both words with a slash. Ego pride will make you defend your mountain until there's no one left to fight you. It will hold you back from saying things your heart self wants to say. Ego will keep you from saying things like, I love you, 
I'm sorry. I miss you. Your heart's saying, say that. Your ego says, no. They hurt you. They did this to you. And your heart's just crying out. Just, just tell them, I love you. You see, you see where we, I mean, the anointing of God is in this room. Well, I felt it just, whoosh. God is dealing with some things that, to me, it just, and I always use this, I teach it to my family, try to teach them to my grandkids, is that there's two, le- there's two places of thinking. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you worse. There's lower level think- thinking, and there's higher level thinking. And higher level thinking is simply, my ways are higher. That's God's way of thinking. And God's way of thinking is love thinking. God has no room for, for egocentrical attitude. That's why I'm saying service is a fundamental of Christianity because what does service do? It kills your ego. Hello? When you have to go clean a bathroom that was, you know, somebody else's mess because you're doing it for God, that takes care of a lot of ego stuff. When you got to wake up in the morning, you know, for example, the Laredo team, they were here last night with no air conditioning and then they had to come back again from Laredo. Your ego will take care of that. So far, too hot. You're, you're, you know, your spirit say, no, you got a responsibility for God. So, you know, I'm telling you, church, begin to recognize it. That's the summary of my message. Begin to recognize it. Maybe you had never heard something like this, or maybe you had never really looked at it this way. But begin to recognize this little thing called the ego. Because the sooner you put it in its place, the better your life will be managed. That's why I'm saying this is my message to my 20-year self, which I can't do, so I'll say it to your 20-year self. Look at this. And the last thing, how many headaches has an uncontrolled ego caused you? How many heartbreaks? How much money have you lost? Because of uncontrollable desires? Because of obsessions? Including being obsessed with a person? Ego is a crazy, crazy thing. Amen? Let's all stand this this morning. We'll just stop right there. That's a good stopping point. I want to pray this over you because it's really the ministry that the Lord told me. And again, it might not be everybody. It might be somebody online. But, I, but it, was, it came up very strong in my heart that we need to start with everything that's relational in our life. Start with yourself. What do you mean, Pastor? How about forgiving yourself? Because ego will tell you that you haven't done enough to forgive yourself. That what you, the pride, the crime, the offense, the sin, the whatever you did, that the blood of Jesus wasn't quite enough? That's what the ego does. It's like, oh yeah, Jesus forgives your sin, but don't feel like you're not a sinner. That's ego, right? Jesus, forgive me for what I've done. God says, I'm good with that, I'm done. And the ego says, yeah, God forgave you, but you still need to feel bad for a while. That's ego. All that stuff is ego. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I know you spoke to me about this. The Father, for every relationship, I want you guys to dig, you know, dig into this because there will be a blessing because of obedience. In other words, or let me put it this way, the blessing is always attached to obedience. you like saying, Pastor, you don't understand what my family did to me. You don't understand. No, I don't. And you could be very well justified in your emotional condition. But the justification doesn't go greater than the love of God. You can justify it all you want. But can it be justified through the love of God? It can't. Because God doesn't hold back on who he forgives. God doesn't hold back 
He says, I mean, I love the way God does. He says, I will remember your sins no more. Imagine that. That is beautiful. That, that, you see, if we could figure that out, we would never be angry anymore. If somebody hurt us, we forgive them, we move on, right? We don't hold it. We don't replay it. We don't go past the 14-second rule and just keep going with it. No, we just forgive people and love them and keep moving. So, Father, this morning as I pray for this church and I pray for our online audience, that, Father, my heart, and you know the message, and you know the heart that was placed into the message, that, Father, I'm just on a pursuit, God, to see your glory clearer than ever. And, Father, the little things in our life that, that hinder this, the little things in our life that, that make this kind of vague, Lord, we don't want that. We want a clear look at the glory of God. And, Father, if that means crucifying the self, ego that just wants to drive us into negativity and into depression and into anger, Lord, it is what it is. We crucify and we ask Holy Spirit. Come on, church, this is your part. Ask him to help you with this. You cannot do this on your own. You're going to find out. With the Holy Spirit, boy, he'll, he'll get right on it with you. So, Holy Spirit, I, I can't pray for them, but I'll pray for myself, Lord. You have my whole heart. Anytime I'm out of line, Lord, anytime we get in a situation where anger, where a bad word, where a bad attitude is going to manifest, Lord, give us the promptings of your Spirit. Father, I pray for everyone watching us online. I pray right now for those relationships. Did I, Father, you said that one of the biggest killers of relationship is ego. That, Father, we come here today and we ask you to forgive us from harboring any anger, from harboring any remorse of even things we've done. That, Father, for every relationship, in our life that is not where it needs to be. We want to do our part. So we take control over this, and if it's our job to say, I'm sorry, then so be it. We will do what it takes. But I just thank you, Lord, that the days of glory are coming upon the people of this church. The days of glory are coming upon this congregation in a way that we've never seen it, Lord. That we will be known as a group of people that moves in rhythm with your spirit, with your love, and with no agendas other than to bring honor to you, God. Through our actions, through our attitudes, Lord, we sang songs today about the goodness of God. We saw songs sang about the glory of God. And, Father, that should be our only pursuit, that we can show your goodness to everyone. Right now, I bind every spirit of depression. That just came up in my spirit. Every spirit of depression, every spirit of darkness that is putting eyes making people see things that aren't even there. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that every dark spirit that is trying to clamp on on somebody's mind as I'm praying is released now in the name of Jesus. And that ego spirit that wants to promote the sadness, that ego spirit that wants to promote the depression and fuel it with thoughts, we bind that. Father, we have the life of God. We have the joy of the Spirit. And we press into that joy. We press into that joy this morning. Lord, let this Mother's Day be so significant, first and foremost to all the moms, but Father, that we also mark it in our calendar, say, Mother's Day 2022, I heard from God. I heard from the Lord. And I got marching orders to get things in my life in order. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that today is a glorious day. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We pray over marriages. We pray over families that, Father, need reconciliation. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that there is a flow of your Spirit in this house that is making the wrongs right. You know, the Lord's causing, again, I just want to add this. I mean, I just come in as I get it. I give it to as I get it, I guess. Those of you that this is really hitting home, the relational thing, some of the people, they're not going to respond the way you think they are. That's not your problem. The Lord's rem- I already told you that, but the Lord's reminding me. You do your part. You fix that. And whatever response comes back, that's not your, that, so don't be offended. That's what the Holy Spirit, don't, don't go back to ego when the response that you expect is not there. You know, we're going back to Naaman, right? I want you to do it this way. I'm going to forgive him, but I want you to, no, you just do what you need to do. So, Father, we take these instructions very, very seriously. And we leave this house, Father, knowing that today something has shifted in our spirit. That we're not the same. We walk out of here with a vision, with instructions, and today's going to be a great day in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, it was 1030 just a few minutes ago. What happened all the time? I'm like, wow, they're going to get out early. I, I better say more stuff. No, I never finish. Thank you, wonderful Holy Spirit. Open your Bibles again. No scripture, just really quick. We'll take a minute, but I, I do want to share this. Second, I'm sorry, First Chronicles, Old Testament. Last chapter, 29. It's one of my favorite psalms, and it's not in the book of Psalms. But you know, it's a song that David wrote at the end of his life. He was so excited about what God was going to do with the temple and the building of the temple, even though he didn't get to do it, but his son Solomon was. And he, and he has this prayer that becomes a song or a psalm. And I just want to pull one thing out of it because when, when I, I mention things here in the church, I know it, it rubs people maybe the wrong way, and I, I don't do it for that. But, but, you know, when I say, you know, those little things I say about the tithe and things like that, you know, I get it. it, it every, we're all humans. We all have human nature. You know, I get paid, and I got tons of bills, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't do the you know. I get that, and God gets that. But here's where we're going. I've always told people, start somewhere and see if you can move to that. Because here's what I want you to understand of this whole thing. I just want you to get one idea and one idea only. And it's right, right here in verse 12. Now, you've got to read the whole song because it's a complete song. But I just want to pull out, well, let me put 11 and 12 because that's, that's where he begins to sing. He says, Thine, O Lord, I'm in First Chronicles 29, 11 is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in thy heaven and earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. So what David does with that one, he establishes God's authority over everything. But then look what happens in verse 12. He says, both riches, riches and honor, both of them come from you. And you reign over all of it. He reigns over all the honor. He reigns over all the riches. And might and thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And here's where it really comes to the meat. Verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thy own. Pay attention. We have given thee. What is he saying? He's saying, Lord, what an honor it is 
that I have something that originally belongs to you, and you let me borrow it, and I get to give you a little part back. That's exactly what he's saying. He recognized that everything in his life came from God. When you get to that point in your life, guess what gets resolved? Giving. God doesn't want you, you know, remember a principle of giving. God gives bread to the giver, seed to the sower. Those, that's the same person. That's not two people. God blesses you, first ministry, your family. Take care of your family. But you, you don't just take care of family and then take care of God's house. You take care of your family and God's house. And by, take, and by working both of them, guess what? Both of them will never lack. Because God is saying, everything's mine. That's what David recognizes. Who are we and who are these people that what you have given us, we get the honor to give it back to you. And by doing so, that honor, that, that's what I said briefly, you know, hope you guys didn't take it the wrong way, but when I said about the tithe at, at the front of the message, that really is what it is, you know. It's, a, it's that egocentric pull, like, oh, no, if, if I do this, then I'm going to be without. That's not how God operates. God says, do you trust me? So, again, I just say that when you give, whatever you give to the Lord, you give, you know, you give a lot, give a little, whatever you give, that is how God looks at it. You know, do the right thing in the eyes of God. You know, this church, like I said, if you guys could see what we do with what we have, it's amazing. Still, it still amazes me, but, you know, everything's the next level in your life. So, you know, sow a seed. As, when you sow seeds, when you tithe, consider this. You know, who are we and who are these people? You know, that's always been one of my little foundations in my, in my life regarding giving. I have no problem with giving anything because... I recognize that. Anything in my life came from him. Amen? So you guys know what to do. There will be instructions on the screen. Thank you for your support. If you are giving towards uh, the Cuba ministry, um, we got a... UAD flies back Tuesday, so we're going to try to send some money tomorrow and um, try to get him all the money we can because any money we send afterwards, and we'll send money afterwards, he loses some money. So the, the more we can take over there is the better. So thank you guys for your support. Um, we'll give you a full Cuba update later, but... Things are really moving good in, in that. Uh, like I said, he's in Miami. I've talked to him a couple times. Like I said, things are really, really moving. And so thank you so much for that. All right, stand to your feet. I'll get you out of here. And remember, there is um, a fellowship that the men have done for all the moms. And if you can, please stay and be part of that. And if not, we'll see you guys next week. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the word. We thank you for where it has gone. And, Lord, we all, we all reach into this. We all reach.